0: listening to the wool academy podcast this is episode number 48 hello and welcome my name is elizabeth van delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell Today's episode is Reposts, interview originally aired on 15th of November 2016 and in this interview that I'm reposting today, I'm talking to Mac Bishop from the company Wool & Prince based in the US. Back when I did this interview with Mac, I really enjoyed our discussion and I thought it was so fascinating how he came up with the idea and how he then started his company. Since the original launch of the interview, Woolen Prince has continuously expanded their collection, and you can now see the Made in the USA products that Mac talked about in the episode. If you already listened to this particular episode, I encourage you to have a look around in iTunes or on my website to see if there's any other interview that you haven't listened to yet. In the meantime, I'm taking a short break and the new episodes will be airing on the 12th of October. In the meantime, I wish you all the best and enjoy this interview with Mac Bishop from Woolen Prints. Today on the show we have Mac Bishop. Mac is the founder of Wool & Prints, an online menswear brand that makes naturally odor and wrinkle-resistant wool button down shirts. When Mac started the company, he wore a wool shirt for 100 days in a row to demonstrate the functional properties of wool. After four years in upstate New York at Cornell University and another four years in New York City, Mac just moved back to Portland this past summer. Welcome Mac, how are you today?
1: Thank you, Elizabeth. Doing well.
0: Great. Um, thank you so much for your time. And let's just get right started. Tell us a little bit about your business, Woolen Prints, and how did you come up with that idea?
1: Woolen Prints is all about making better, longer lasting apparel using the fiber that we love wool. Um, there's a couple different stories I tell about uh, how Woolen Prints started. Uh, one was um, I graduated from Cornell and went into uh, corporate America and was working uh, for Unilever, a giant um, consumer products company. And the uniform was a business casual button down shirt. Uh, I tended to wear a Brooks Brothers non iron or a J. Crew non-iron shirt, and I could get about um, two wears with it, Uh, and I was spending a lot of money at the dry cleaner, and as kind of a uh, cheap uh, recent graduate, I was looking for alternatives, so I turned to a vintage wool shirt, and it wasn't quite work appropriate, Um, but at that point, I just didn't really care and was trying to save some money. Uh, so, um, I ended up wearing this vintage wool shirt and I hardly ever had to wash it. And I was thinking to myself, wow, this is a great, um, kind of competitive product to the standard cotton button down shirt. Um, so that was where the initial inspiration came from in terms of really realizing the benefits of, uh, a merino wool button down shirt. And the second story I tell about how um, Woolen Prints came to be is that uh, my family has a woolen mill uh, in, well, actually two woolen mills, uh, one in Washington and one in Oregon. Um, and the brand name is Pendleton Woolen Mills. Uh, so from a young age, I was uh, versed in uh, wool speak in. Uh, Wool was a dinner conversation, what was going on in the business, uh, and so I was always aware that um, wool was, uh, quote-unquote, the miracle fiber, um, so I had that exposure, and um, that really kind of seeded the idea of doing something with wool, uh, yeah.
0: Wow, I love that story. Yeah. Um... That you so you kind of saw the uh, demand in the market for these kind of shirts by, but have being in that situation is that kind of where you were coming from?
1: Yeah, it wasn't necessarily that I saw demand. It was um, it was that there, I I saw potential um, based on my experience wearing a wool shirt uh, in a corporate environment. Um, uh, I noticed that the the marketplace um, didn't really offer a wool shirt that looked and felt like a cotton shirt. That's really the goal with our button downs is um, we want the shirt just to look like any other cotton shirt you buy from Gap, J. Crew, Bonobos, Brooks Brothers, those types of places. But we want it to have the functional attributes of wool. So odor resistance, wrinkle resistance, and uh, six times more durable
0: than cotton. Yeah, and when you talk about um, this durability, and you mentioned that also that that's what your shirts are about, the better, longer-lasting apparel, tell us a little bit about your target group and how that aspect is important to your target group.
1: Yeah. um, So, yeah, with durability, it's like, I guess... I want to make something that lasts a long time. I'm, I think, especially American, and you know, I don't, I don't know, um, kind of uh, what it's like internationally. Um, but we have such a strong consumer uh, tendency, uh, and I think people just buy too much stuff, and they buy stuff that isn't uh, quality, long-lasting product. Uh, and so I didn't want to kind of join that movement and just put out another widget. Um, so that's, that's a big part about, uh, what we do and how we kind of test our product. You know, will this, um, be more durable than what else is what when the other options out there? Um, and that goes a long way with our, our target consumer. Um, Especially because it's a $128 shirt, right? No one's going to buy a $128 shirt that falls apart um, just as fast as a $78 shirt. Um, and so, yeah, our, our, our customer is a young uh, urban professional uh, that kind of values a minimalist uh, technical wardrobe. Uh, so, yeah, durability is a huge component of that. And we actually... Just a little kind of side story is when we launched our t-shirt line, so button downs is the majority of our business, but um, we're getting into other uh, categories uh, and obviously using wool. Um, We launched a 100% merino wool t-shirt, and uh, it was incredibly luxurious. It's a 16.5 micron fiber. Um, The weight might have been... 130 or 140, I forget exactly, but it was a lightweight t-shirt, and it was the most polarizing product we made, because, um, there was one half of our customers was like, oh my god, this is the softest, best t-shirt I've ever worn, and the other half was like, this thing does not hold up, I wore a backpack with it, and it was pilling, um, I threw it in the wash, and it had some holes, so anyways, we basically had to refund all the people, um, that had issues with our t-shirt and we quickly realized like we've got to make sure that every single product we put out there, um, that we really test it and, um, make it a durable, long lasting product that kind of fits our, uh, fits our mission. Um, and so we ended up just recently relaunching our t-shirt line and we, um, supplement the wool, with a uh, nylon uh, component. So it's 78% wool, 22% nylon. That really helps with the durability.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, that's really interesting. And um, also what interests me is because you said that you had this background from your family that you knew about wool, but what did you see in your target group? What was the understanding and knowledge of wool among your target group? And how, how were you then maybe educating your target group about wool?
1: Yeah, so, yeah, I like to think of wool and prints as bringing in uh, new customers to the wool category. Um, I would say in terms of bringing in customers, the, the lowest hanging fruit is, yes, somebody who's familiar with the functional properties of wool, and that person is normally uh, an outdoorsman, somebody who's active uh, and is familiar with brands like Smart Wool and Icebreaker. Um, I know there's a few uh, kind of dedicated wool brands over in Europe as well, um, but those brands have uh, built up a significant business um, kind of marketing the uh, benefits of wool, and so if I can just say, hey, look, we've got a A business casual button down that has all those same uh, functional attributes that you love but you're not going to look like you're going camping or hiking in our shirts um that resonates with those customers
0: and did you find that they didn't understand wool because i always also remember your video where you went around new york telling (laughs) people um yeah, yeah. Feel this, and what you think it is, and you got very different answers.
1: Yeah, I think I think the majority of the marketplace doesn't understand wool. As I just kind of alluded to, we uh, really our main goal is to expand the category. Um, you've got kind of the lowest hanging fruit with those people that are already familiar with wool, um, but that's not a, that's not a big segment. That's not there's not a lot of people in that group so what we're really really trying to do is also educate um people who aren't familiar with uh the benefits of wool and that's just yeah that's a very big part of what we do we have a whole uh kind of landing page dedicated to the uh science uh behind wool and how it works
0: yeah, um, yeah. And I, I encourage everyone listening to actually go to the website and look at that because I think you did a really neat job. And tell me a little bit how you started. Um, I think you started with the Kickstarter campaign. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience there?
1: Yeah. So I quit the job that I was talking about um, at Unilever and I was working on another uh, business at the time and I was incubating the idea for wool and prints, and I partnered with a friend uh, who does graphic design, I partnered with a friend who uh, does fashion design and production, and then I just spent a lot of nights and weekends trying to figure out uh, how to make the wool shirt cool again and uh, appropriate for uh the business casual community. Um, And just a kind of a a side note, I think it was in the 50s that wool had about a 40% market share of all apparel. Today, it has less than 5% market share of all apparel on a fiber kind of comparison basis. Um, So yeah, I was really uh, thinking about how to get some of that market share back, um, and really uh, kind of test the the limits of a of a wool shirt. Um, but we uh, let's see. I did the hundred day challenge. Uh, I want to say it was from like maybe October, November through February ish. Uh, if those numbers work out. Um, and took a picture every single day of uh, me wearing the wool shirt. Uh, and sometimes those were pic- those were selfies. Sometimes they were pictures with random people. Uh, I just tried to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, and then we launched on Kickstarter in April uh, 2012. Uh, no, 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 no. April 2013. I'm getting things mixed up here. Uh, April 2013, and um, the first week of the campaign, we, w- we went on Kickstarter and said, you know, hey, look, we've got this um, awesome uh, shirt. Um, you know, you've, you haven't seen anything like it. Um, you know, I wore it for 100 days in a row. It didn't smell. It didn't wrinkle. I didn't clean it. Um, it's just a low-maintenance button-down shirt. Uh, and so the first week was, went pretty well, and then I think on like day five or day six, a couple blogs picked it up, and then from there it was one of the most viral stories, um, of that week or month. Um, we were on, uh, Jay Leno, he cracked a couple of jokes about us, uh, two nights back to back. David Letterman cracked a joke about us. We, we were on the, you know, the front page of Huffington Post, CNN, AOL, um, yahoo it was it really was uh an incredible amount of viral momentum that we got and then things started to get a little crazy um it was kind of uh the the media um companies were playing telephone to a certain extent it was like as more and more companies picked up the story they had to uh sensationalize it more and then when I really got scared, uh, I think it was maybe the today show or something. They said, you know, Mac Bishop inventor of new fabric. <laughs> and I'm like, "Whoa, that is not at all what I'm saying. Um, like we need to kind of do like a reverse PR campaign and like try to level out expectations. So we ended up, um, our Kickstarter, basically saying, Hey, look, we're sold out. Um, it was crazy. We did about, uh, the total Kickstarter brought in around three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. We sold about three thousand shirts, and uh, on the on the on the last day before we sold it out, we did ninety thousand dollars in sales in one day. Wow. Um, and that that's for a business that launched you know ten days previously. So it, it doesn't get as. Um, uh, crazy and, and viral and exciting as, as that. There were definitely some, some sleepless nights in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can understand. And is there, like, are there some key learnings that you could share with other, you know, startups or people who are thinking about launching a new product? Is there something you can recommend or, like, a takeaway from that experience?
1: Uh, yeah. Find... People who are going to give you honest feedback, um, I find that a lot of entrepreneurs or um, people just with business ideas, they don't push you to give their honest feedback. And so it's like, hey, what do you think about this idea? And somebody says, oh, that's, that's really cool. Like, I like it. I buy it. And then they're like, sweet, that validates my idea. But in reality, you have to go like ten layers beyond that, and really say, well, "What do you think about this?" or "What do you think about this word?" What do you think about this color? How does it compare to this company? Um, and get really, really detailed feedback, and kind of run your own little focus groups. Um, yeah, that's 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 one big tip. You know, I was constantly editing and revising our Kickstarter campaign before we launched. I remember we did – the video that you saw on the Kickstarter was probably our third attempt at a video. I sent one of our first attempts at a video to one of my buddies, and he's just like, no, no, not not right at all. <laughs> and it's just really good to have those people around you who can give you honest, real feedback. And I see that a lot with um, just – Beginner entrepreneurs tend to uh, just look for kind of validation with a "Hey, what do you think about this?" Um, instead of like looking how to make it better.
0: Hmm. Oh, that's a good tip. Um, thank you for sharing that. And when you talk about the video, you mean the video where you wore the shirt one hundred days yeah, the and Kickstarter, to go... the Kickstarter video. Yeah. yeah. And when you started with that idea and and were you actually convinced yourself that it would work for 100 days
1: I really had no idea um yeah it 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 kind of blew me away um and yeah it, it definitely wasn't when I was it for 100 days in a row that wasn't necessarily going to be the main part of um our kind of marketing pitch and it just so happens that we got ton of great content the shirt did fantastic um there were definitely some days where it didn't smell great but the awesome thing about wool is if you you hang it up um it it tends to air out overnight it releases its wrinkles overnight um so yeah i I went to bed a couple nights thinking like i'm not sure if i can wear that tomorrow but uh woke up the next
0: day and it was um, fresh <laughs> yeah no I, I I experienced that myself I also tried to wear wool as much as possible but what you just mentioned I think is really important that um, the video was a way of creating content and also what you said that your friend said no this isn't right yet and you kind of edited it three times and I think maybe that's also what kind of led to your success on Kickstarter because you had this great content that was so easy to share and tell the story in such a fun way. So maybe tell me a little bit more about your social me- media strategy and how you're using social media in your business today.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, you know, especially on Kickstarter, it's, um, it's kind of the gimmicky, crazy ideas when um and it's it's gotten you know we were on kickstarter over 3 years ago and it's gotten even more uh crowded um so you really have to kind of shout and scream and do something crazy when you go on kickstarter these days um but in terms of kind of social media and getting the word out there we actually don't do a ton of uh social media uh you know we've got a small instagram following we've got a Facebook following, uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, we, we answer kind of a lot of customer service questions on, on Twitter. Um, we have a Snapchat account that hasn't posted anything yet. So we're definitely not, um, kind of leading, uh, the social media conversation. Um, so that, yeah, that really hasn't been a big part of our business. Um, you know, the the biggest um, kind of driver uh, for our business is when we have uh, bloggers and people um, just kind of talking about our product online. Uh, We've got a great um, kind of following on Reddit. Uh, There's a lot of people on Reddit that are looking for um, product that uh, lasts a long time and is is good uh, conducive for the minimalist lifestyle um and then various travel bloggers
0: and do you approach these bloggers yourself like proactively or do they find you how does that work
1: Um, i would say a lot of the best uh posts that we've gotten have been organic um but yeah it's definitely a strategy um a lot of my kind of peers uh, in the kind of small business uh, apparel world will reach out to bloggers and develop relationships and you know provide samples whenever possible
0: mm. and i also saw on your website that you have this campaign called the field tester what is that all about
1: uh, the field testers is, um is a way to kind of uh show people how and um who uh where woolen prints uh, so uh, it's a chance for us to tell uh, stories just about people that we respect uh, who're doing uh, exciting things with their career and have a really uh, nice kind of balanced lifestyle it's um, I like to say that it's it's kind of the way the, the brand lives and breathes is through the field tester campaign it gives us a lot of of um, character and uh just realness
0: (laughs) yeah and also i guess content and things to talk about for your brand exactly and then do you also have a new campaign called made in the usa what is that all about yes uh we are working on a uh made in a very small made in usa collection it
1: will launch in early november um and what we're trying to do is is figure out a supply chain that's as tight and local as possible. So the uh, wool, the raw material, comes from the northwest um, United States. Uh, it is then shipped down to Texas to be scoured, and then it's shipped back to um, the northwest where it's um, dyed— uh, spun and woven um, at Pendleton Woolen Mills. And then it is cut and sewn in Portland, Oregon. Um, and uh, the labels are from Tennessee. The interfacing is from Florida. The buttons are from Iowa. Um, the thread is from North Carolina. Anyway, so, yeah, we're trying to just be super transparent with the supply chain and uh, find um, the raw materials that are as, as close uh, to the consumer as possible.
0: And did you find it difficult to create that supply chain?
1: Yeah, it was, it was, it was very difficult um, and expensive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and do you think there's a... Because there's like two... Trends that you're combining there. One is the so-called onshoring, so bringing back manufacturing into a country that used to be a manufacturing country long, long time ago, and the other trend is uh, this this traceability, where the consumer can really find out how a particular item was made and where. So, do you see those two trends um, kind of ri- rising in importance? Or what is your take I on do.
1: that? I do. I do. I'm very excited about both. Um, I think the reshoring movement probably has a longer way to go than um kind of the locally sourced movement. Um I feel like the or the, the food industry has um really kind of jump started the the local movement. Um but yes, I'm I'm very excited about reshoring and um I'm currently looking into figuring out how to make more product uh locally.
0: Okay, that's really exciting. So we'll watch out what happens on your blog for that. And can you tell us a little bit about what was your biggest challenge when you started your business? And what would you say is your biggest challenge today?
1: Uh, it kind of both, I would say, revolve around the same question. Um, how do you want to grow? And how do you, and how do you grow? Um, so at first, you know, we had this incredibly successful Kickstarter campaign. I know, you know, I, a lot of it was lucky and, and somewhat gimmicky. Um, we delivered the shirts. Um, the majority of the people really loved the shirts. So we had, I think it was, you know, 2,200 customers right from the start, but then we didn't have inventory. Uh, we didn't have the cash to buy extra inventory. I brought on um, an apparel designer and a sourcing person. That's one person. And then a kind of graphic designer who was also doing customer service and social media. And we we're all very new to what we were doing. We we're all in our early 20s. And... I kind of, as the, you know, CEO, um, realized, wow, like now, now I understand why apparel with you know, or why businesses raise money, uh, from venture capitalists or angel investors, uh, because there is really this cash crunch, um, right at the beginning of starting a business. Uh, and so we got over that um i i borrowed some money from my family and um purchased a large amount of inventory and that initial that that just did amazing things for our business to have shirts in inventory to have a variety of shirts in inventory um it just gave us consistent cash flow Um, so that that's kind of how we overcame that first challenge of like um how do we how do we grow when we don't have any capital? Um, and it was really just it needed a kind of a capital injection to buy inventory. Um, and you know, a capital injection like that, if, if people didn't necessarily love your product, that could that could essentially do your put your business under. So you got to get the product right before you really kind of invest in building out that product. Uh, so that, yeah, initial that was probably an initial challenge, and then challenge today is um, again kind of similar stuff. How do you how do you want to grow the business? Um, I've made the decision to not wholesale the product. Um, so the only place you can find Woolen Prints is at woolenprince.com, um, and I can control everything about the brand uh, and the product and the experience. Uh, through just one channel, and it really, I love it because it, it simplifies um, everything that we do, and we can really focus on um, the product and telling telling cool stories uh, with the field tester campaigns. Mm. Um. So yeah, at this point, um, I would say the challenge is how do we grow our collection um, with kind of the capital constraints that we have um, and, and that's another reason why I've been really excited about uh, kind of local manufacturing is that you can do small batch uh, manufacturing runs
0: mm yeah that's true and well what you were talking about you know developing the product then one question that that I would like to ask you is so because you obviously talk about longer lasting apparel which means you don't necessarily think in seasons of summer and winter and bringing out new products all the time but at the same time you need to keep your collection fresh so how do you work around that that you like what kind of seasons are you thinking or how do you develop the product over time to keep it fresh
1: yeah i I don't really design uh for particular seasons um you know i like to have a couple shipments in the fall um prior to the holiday season um i like to have something kind of new right after the holiday season maybe that's uh, late January, early February. And then, um, some product, uh, in the summer, maybe that's t-shirts or short sleeve button downs. Um, but it's not, I don't really have a kind of systematic way of, of looking at, um, the seasons and, um, when I should be buying things. It's more, it's more of just like, what do we need? What's selling well? um, and
0: that's hmm okay thanks for sharing that okay let's maybe come um some some things up and i always like to end uh, the discussion kind of with a question about um how did you you know find your way within the wool industry was it did you see a lot of support for starting your business or how could the wool industry support businesses like yourself um to make you you know successful in the long term is there like a message or learning that the wool industry as such could learn from your experience
1: mm. well uh, we've worked with walmart uh they've been helpful with um sourcing and, and finding vendors um other than that we really haven't worked with the wool industry too much um And yeah, I would, I would love to get more involved, um, with Walmart and the various organizations, uh, in the industry. I don't, I don't know if I have, I I think kind of my best, my thoughts are just like, we could probably, I could do a better job reaching out and the industry could probably do a better job reaching out to companies in the wool industry.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Also, often when we um, talk to different stakeholders in the industry, um, everyone says, yeah, we would all benefit so much more if we would talk to each other much more directly because obviously you can't know what are your needs and, and why are things done a certain way can they maybe be changed So, but that's also part of this podcast um, to kind of tell the different sides of the story of the woolen industry so thank you so much for sharing your story today and um, how can people get in touch with you and woolen prince
1: um, the best way to get in touch with those at woolen prince is just to send us an email um, you can send one directly to me at mac m-a-c at com, or if it's more of a general question not directed to me uh, you can send an email to help at woolenprints, and then we also have a um, a blog uh, it's blog.woolenprince.com and I I write a quarterly update on the blog and um, it's a great chance for uh, customers and potential customers to ask questions about the brand, product what's going on with the business um every quarter i talk about our growth uh and our uh products that we're planning on launching uh and it's i started that um let's see maybe end of 2015 and it's it's really been a rewarding uh, process for me to kind of recap each quarter and then uh, talk with the customers
0: yeah i love that idea and it also kind of encourages you to be accountable and deliver every exactly. quarter so i think that's a good idea and tell me obviously everyone should go and check out um your products on woolenprints.com do you also ship internationally yet or is it for the moment yep. only
1: yep we ship we ship internationally um if you if the order is over a hundred dollars our uh, lowest cost shipping is is um USPS, First Class International, is $10, and then we also have a DHL, um, which I believe is $35, um, when your order is over $100.
0: Okay, great. Well, then everyone should check out um, the really wonderful products. I even own a men's shirt from Woolen Prince, so there you go. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Mac. Thanks for your time, and I wish you all the best. Okay. Thank you, Elizabeth. Bye. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to this interview with Mac Bishop from Woolen Prince. All the links that were mentioned in today's episode can be found in the show notes at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 048. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 048. We love that you're listening to this podcast. Make sure you also connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. See you there and bye for now.